0: Industry 4.0 is quickly taking over the food industry. With key technology like IoT, advanced robotics, and AI, food processors have more opportunities than ever to automate their manufacturing processes. This episode is a must listen for any processor who is looking to learn more about how Industry 4.0 can enhance their operations.
1: Using a computer or using technology just makes it that much more efficient and that much faster to react to certain things that are happening in your process that you may not even want. Hi, I'm Andy, and I'm Joe, and you're listening to the Farm to Fork
0: podcast, brought to you by Carlisle Technology.
2: Today's topic is on Industry 4.0 and automation in the food industry. Our guest today is Jason Medeiros from Hamman. Jason has an extensive background working in the food processing industry, and he understands the need for automation. Jason has successfully designed and implemented automated solutions for food processors new to Industry 4.0. Jason, do you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little bit more information about who you are?
1: Great, thanks, Andy. Yes, no problem. As you mentioned, I've worked in the food space my entire career. Right out of school, I, I took materials management, better known as supply management today. This touched on like the early phases of uh, you know lean manufacturing, value stream mapping, automation implementation, statistical process control, All of those great things that lead into industry 4.0. Right out of school, I worked at a primary hog processing plant. I worked on various internal projects, automating certain lines and introducing just new technologies and processes and trying to improve just the overall process of the plant. Took my learnings from that company and moved into one of Canada's largest for the processed food manufacturers. That company was quite large in scale a lot of hands-on big projects across multiple plants, moving equipment, implementing equipment onto plant floors, and just improving on all processes on plant floors. Years later after that experience, a wealth of knowledge that I took on, I took on a role of operations manager for a small barbecue manufacturer in Ontario. This was a great up-and-coming organization in the food service and home chef space. That was a really great challenge in my career and a really good time in my life. But obviously, you know, everything comes to an end. Several years later, I find myself at Hantman Canada as their key account manager. It's a great fit for myself and for the Hantman organization because I just love food and they're a great company to work for.
2: How'd you get involved with Hantman? Like, what did that look like?
1: Hammond approached me with my years of experience in the food industry. I happened to work for one of their largest customers. So I had an in depth knowledge of the processes that the company has in place today. And it was just a great fit right from the get go.
2: And how does Hammond, for those of us who don't know, how do they serve the food industry?
1: Hammond's a great company. It's a family owned company and a global leader for technology solutions in the food processing industry. Hammond specializes in best in class portioning, dividing, depositing, forming and filling equipment for meat, bakery, dairy, pet food processors. And those sectors are still growing today.
0: So Jason, can you give us a little bit of history on Hantman and how they developed into the food industry?
1: Yeah, for sure. Hantman is a German company first established in 1873, where they first were making church bells and distillery equipment. Two very important pillars of the society in the 1800s, right? Religion and beer. Later in around 1954 was the foundation of Machine Fabrique. This is the factory in the founding city of Beebrock. It's located in Bavaria, Germany, South Germany. Still there today, great facility, massive in scale and very innovative. In 1966, Hintman first introduced the vacuum filler. It has the vein cell technology for accurate portion that we still use today. Later on, in years 1977, the first automatic hanging system was introduced. Hanging system allows butchers to automate twisting and hanging of sausages versus doing this by hand before that time. 2003, great year for Hantman. They introduced the ConPro system at the Worldwide Food Expo in Chicago. The ConPro system is amazing. It's a system where alginate casing is used instead of standard hog or sheep casing for products such as sausages. Why this is really important and really great is the market movement towards vegan and alternative proteins uh, instead of using like an animal-based casing. So alginate is found in brown seaweed, and if you mix alginate and calcium, you get this casing structure that has the same kind of bite as an animal or a casing. Really cool technology and becoming more and more popular in today's food industry.
2: Yeah, I bet today with the move towards Beyond Meat, that kind of thing, that would be perfect for that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Later, about 2010, Machine Fabrique, the factory in BROC, they built their customer form, which is a huge factory within its plant for customers to come in and they can test out new formulations, test out equipment, and new innovations to see if it's the right fit for their operation. That basically brings us to where we are today with Hammond and their new innovations, technology and they're really sophisticated state-of-the-art customer form.
0: Yeah, that's amazing to hear, just to see the evolution from very primitive design all the way to state-of-the-art technology. That's great to hear. So let's jump into a little bit of the history now from Industry 1.0 to Industry 4.0. Jason, can you
1: take us through the various
0: industrial revolutions?
1: So the first revolution, it was around the 1770s. It's hard to really pinpoint a date, but it's around the 1770s. And this was the first kind of establishment from doing things manually by hand to using machines or mechanizing certain processes and they did this through steam and water power and this really opened the door to what was possible with innovation and ingenuity about a hundred years later we find ourselves in the second revolution and this is where electricity was introduced and the start of factories as we know it mass production assembly line for trains, planes, automobiles, you know, the, the Henry Ford Model T is a great example of the second industrial revolution. But a hundred years later, 1970s, this is where computers and automation were introduced and wildly used across the globe. You know, simple electronics such as calculators or fax machines resulted in just information exchange becoming faster and faster. Also some automated blue collar work as well through simple machines.
2: So what would be a good example from the computer automation industry? What would be a good example of a simple robot?
1: A simple robot could be anything from an automatic deployment of a box to a certain packaging line to barcode scanners, drills that would automatically drill into a certain piece of metal at a very specific location. So just very precise and more automated systems in place. Uh, later in the third industrial revolution, so mid-90s, this is kind of the tail end of the third industrial revolution and kind of the start of the fourth industrial revolution. This is where email and the internet was introduced and really accelerated the movement to the fourth generation and kind of where we see ourselves today. So the fourth generation started around the 2010s, you know, you can argue early 2000s, you can maybe argue mid-2010s. But you can see the trend from first to second to third was about a hundred years in between. And now we find ourselves about 40 years later. And that's because email information really accelerated this development path and accelerated our learning and and just getting better at our overall systems that we had in place.
2: Do you have like a good example of how email did that? What sort of a role it played in making that jump to Industry 4.0?
1: Well, you can imagine that information exchange before email, fax machines were a great way of exchanging information, but even before fax machines, you have to call or snail mail something to someone, and you'd have to imagine the reply or the time in between replies was just very intense and just not efficient whatsoever. Phones and fax machines really accelerated that information exchange, and then email just amplified it tenfold.
2: Yeah, I can see that so that kind of leads us into industry 4.0 so how would you describe industry 4.0 like what does it consist of
1: industry 4.0 is not focused on individual machines where up until that point it was just making certain machines or individual machines better but really 4.0 is the network of intelligent machines cyber physical systems and machine learning if you've ever heard the quote the whole is greater than the sum of its parts Essentially, it's meaning the team is greater than the sum of its individual parts. Team is the acronym for, you know, together everyone achieves more. Well, if machines and machines work together, they're going to learn more and just be that much more efficient at the things that they do. And then you have the Internet of Things, which connects machines and systems, real world versus digital world, factories talking to other factories, remote access to equipment, interconnectivity, big data, analysis. These are all... Great things for Industry 4.0 and really brings together more intelligent robots and smart machines.
0: So, Jason, how does Industry 4.0 fit into the food manufacturing industry?
1: It's just like any other industry. There's always going to be innovation and a better way of doing things. And that's essentially what 4.0 is, but just on a really large and big scale and very efficient and very fast, very quick. There's a lot of like automation of data collection for analysis a lot of jobs in industry, not just for food industry, but analyzing the way a certain things are done and then using that information to improve on that process. Jobs are changing from data analyzers to data doers. Whereas things that would have to be manually inputted and manually analyzed, that analyzation work is being done by computers and large AI systems. And now we're just having this flurry of information that we can execute and just be better at everything we do and just implementing innovation.
2: I know we see that a lot with our solution at Carlisle Technology. We do a lot of food traceability. So we're kind of collecting data all throughout the manufacturing process, making that data available for food processors. So instead of them manually keeping record of everything that's gone on in the manufacturing process, now it's all just held inside of a database. And so they're able to do recalls and things like that in a matter of minutes instead of weeks or days or however long it used to take when everything was all done by pen and paper.
1: You still see it today with small up-and-coming food processors. A couple of months ago, I was walking through an up-and-coming food guy. He had an employee there with a piece of pen and paper recording the weights of certain products. And I asked him, hey, what are you doing with that information? She said, well, I'm going to go put it in the computer afterwards. I said, well, why don't you just have a computer here with you and put in the data? I'm like, better yet, why don't we just get an automatic scale that just feeds the information directly to your computer?
2: Then you're removing all the human error aspect of things. You're removing the extra labor that kind of goes into that. Like By automating that process, it really is streamlining everything, right? And removing those errors and making everything a lot easier to access that data and make business decisions based on what's really going on on the plant floor.
1: Correct. And there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. They're doing the right things. It's just using a computer or using technology makes it that much more efficient and that much faster to react to certain things that are happening in your process that you may not even realize.
2: Yeah, no, I agree completely. One aspect of Industry 4.0 is IoT. So, for our listeners, do you want to go ahead and define IoT and then describe what important place that plays in the food industry?
1: Well, IoT is basically the Internet of Things, and with all of these sensors and data collection, it's got to go somewhere. The best place is for like a central repository for all this information, and it allows for advanced robots and machines to carry out a series of actions either autonomously or semi-autonomously based on that information that is collected. So Jason, how does an IoT system apply to the plant floor? IoT will essentially allow for cloud computing and big data. The remote service would store this information and it can manage a process through data which it accesses through the internet. So all of this information, instead of being stored on an individual or local machine, it's now cloud-based and multiple machines can all access the same information and base decisions off of the same data. So you don't have a disconnect between different pieces of equipment or different robots. Everyone's reacting to the same information. So you can have a process at the front end that is depositing food or you know some sort of a portion of food. You can have weigh scale that'll then measure that weight and ensure that it's gonna be in the specification. And then later on the downstream process, it can analyze that piece of food And ensure that it's the same quality that it's supposed to be or quality standard that it should be and it's all interconnected the same set of data it really comes back to that traceability factor as well too we want to be as efficient as possible and still be able to track a single piece of food through the whole process
2: So, do you see a lot of benefits of having IOT on the plant floor where do you see those benefits or that ROI for investing in that technology
1: Investing in this kind of technology, you can see different ways of getting that ROI. Weight fluctuations, for example. We all want to say that our equipment is the best at portioning and ensuring that we're accurate with different weights of products, and our equipment does a really great job of that. But just inherently, food is an organic thing. There's always these external factors such as time, temperature, and other things. That could affect the consistency of that product. And you could see weight fluctuations in your process. By implementing IoT, you can have a Hantman stuffer talking with a Hantman inline scale. And although the portioner is gonna give you that exact weight, or at least you know within 1% accuracy, you could see some variability throughout the day. That inline scale. We'll take that information communicate back to the stuffer or to a centralized server and they can talk to each other and make adjustments on the fly to ensure that you're going to have the best accuracy possible and to ensure that you're not having any kind of giveaway which is more weight than what you're declaring on your package so essentially it's free money or wasting that product because the customer's paying for a 500 grand pack of something but yet you're consistently giving 505, 506, 507. You don't want that as a processor. You want to give exactly what the customer's paying for, no more, no less. Reducing that giveaway is a great example of ROI with introducing information or IoT into your factory floor.
2: So we talked a little bit about part of Industry 4.0 is also advanced robotics. So what sort of advanced robotics are kind of common for the food industry that would be part of Industry 4.0?
1: Advanced Robotics, first introduced in mid-1990s with palletizing robots, it was really a great way to get the industry into robotics because of the uniform packages. Instead of having someone take a package, put it onto a pallet and and laying out your, your boxes on a pallet with a certain palletization pattern, you can have a robot do that. These boxes are uniform shapes and pallets all look the same in a warehouse. So it's pretty easy to get that into the food industry. Later, we have robots doing anything. I was at a bakery showcase yesterday. We had a robot in our booth from a different automations supplier. And I was talking with the rep there, and he was telling me that they have robots that could fill a baking sheet. It'll hold the baking sheet. The depositor will stay static, and the robot will move the baking sheet so that you have cookies precisely placed on the baking sheet it'll then take that full tray put it onto an empty rack and then turn the other way and grab an empty tray and then continue portioning out cookies onto a tray like that's the level of advanced robotics that we're seeing in the industry today everything from you know palletizing boxes onto a skid from the 1990s to robots holding baking sheets and moving racks within your facility and not interrupting other employees on the floor and doing their own job.
2: That's really cool. That's amazing.
1: And it's safe as well, too, because number one concern on a lot of factory floors is safety of integrating these robots. He was explaining to me that there's safety zones around it a lot of people might be familiar with light screens or safety nets these things are invisible you can't see it but if you break that light screen the machine will shut off well we don't really want to disrupt production when a robot is working but maybe we want to send out a warning to employees so what he was explaining is there's certain zones there's a green zone essentially allows the robot to go full speed nobody's in a nearby area so it's a green zone and these robots can move anywhere from about a meter per second, so pretty quick, to a yellow zone where, okay, someone is getting close, let me slow down. So that way, if for whatever reason they fall or get in my way, I'm not going to hurt them because I've slowed down my process, to a red zone, which is they are too close, stop what I'm doing.
2: Ah, oh, That's amazing. The other thing I like about advanced robotics, too, is the fact that you can rely on them in a sense that they're always there. They're not limited by amount of time working. They don't call in sick. Like It allows you to really be able to rely on that asset for that manufacturing process and not have to deal with any sort of labor issues that you might have with more of a human aspect.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, great point. Absolutely. And even like you were saying earlier, Jace, instead of paying an operator to manually palletize an area, you can reallocate them to other areas of the plant, invest in their capabilities to perform more comprehensive tasks than a rudimentary function of just putting boxes on a pallet and then wrapping it up. So it's just a great way of how advanced robotics doesn't necessarily replace your human capital, but in a sense, it just reallocates them to other areas of the plant
1: absolutely and you're reinvesting back into your business that's a great way for businesses to grow you're absolutely right you know robots aren't here to replace us they're here to help us
2: well let's touch on ai real quick how does ai fit into the food industry and industry 4.0
1: ai for those who don't know it, it simulates human behavior learning planning reasoning just overall problem solving that our brain does automatically you may not think that grabbing a glass of water takes a lot of decision making but it does have to analyze how full is that glass? How heavy is it? Am I too tired to pick it up? Is it within my reach? Is it not within my reach? There's a lot of things that are triggering your brain automatically. Thousands of decisions are being made in a split second. And that's what AI strives to replicate. These decisions or these thousands of data points are critical in the food industry. When you're dealing with a steel part, you have weight, dimensions, maybe density, a handful of data points. When you're dealing with meat, there is a lot to to see and a lot of data points to interpret. A really cool thing I saw on some factory floors or stuff that's being implemented is the use of vision technology. And vision technology is able to distinguish quality in many processes on the shop floor. Anything from tomato sorting. I saw a video not too long ago of cherry tomatoes going down into a, a water bath. And there was an intelligent AI robot there that had little pickers. And if the tomato didn't reach a certain quality standard versus uh, a color, had some bruising on it, other factors, it would knock those individual pieces out midair. And there was probably, I'd say, thousands of tomatoes coming down the conveyor belt every minute. And I'm talking thousands. So this computer or this AI had to establish quality in split second timing. It was really wild to see. Other examples are bacon analyzing, rib cutting, ribs will come down a plant and the hog carcass will get cut and the ribs will go down a certain production line and to remove the rib from the carcass, some people will do it manually. They now have robots that will analyze that carcass as it's going down the production line and have a um, rib to boning knife there that will automatically adjust to the best fat to lean ratio to ensure the most meat is left on the bone, and less meat is found on the fat side of things, to increase yield on the ribs and less waste on the fat side of the carcass.
2: I love the AI conversation, and I think we could probably do a whole podcast just on that. And I don't want to get too sucked into it because we are going to do a podcast episode on that one. But I think it's amazing just the different technology that's coming through with the artificial intelligence. And yeah, I'm excited to dig into that a little more deeper uh, on another episode, but. Let's talk real quick on cybersecurity as the last piece before we get into some other aspects.
1: Well, cybersecurity is definitely a very important aspect to all of this. You know, we have all this big data, cloud computing, everything is going to a centralized location and could be susceptible to security threats. This is a real thing where banking started to become big and bank bank robbers were becoming a thing. Security measures need to be put in place. Well, here we are in 21st century, fourth industrial revolution, and using cloud system computing with centralized data, we have to put security measures in place. And a lot of these measures exist today that you don't even know about it or know about it, but don't even realize it. You know, thumbprint analysis, facial recognition, that annoying two-step authentication that we all have to go through for maybe emails or, or signing up for some sort of subscription. These are all security measures to ensure that person accessing the information or the system that's accessing the information is supposed to be. I feel
2: like all of these topics that we've just kind of discussed briefly, like the IoT, advanced robotics, AI, and cybersecurity aren't mutually exclusive either. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking about how cybersecurity probably would be able to rely on something like AI to help you know make decisions or things like that or you could implement IoT devices with the cybersecurity and and they all kind of feed into each other and kind of become that big ecosystem if you have it set up that way.
1: Of course, yeah, AI will know if you're only supposed to be accessing this information within a certain range of your facility, then it'll know based on maybe like GPS location, okay, yes, I'm at work, I should be accessing this information or no. I'm in Australia, or if that's not where you're from, then why is this person trying to access information? You know, it's, or even just 10 meters away from your facility, they're not in the designated location and that's AI. It's understanding that this person is not where they're supposed to be. There's a threat here.
2: Totally. Or even like IOT security cameras or things like that, that are all connected and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The future could be behavioral analysis through vision technology and cameras analyzing the person that's walking into the working space. Are they walking the same as the employee that should be walking in? Are they not walking the same? Are they acting the same, same routine, same that? It's pretty crazy. I haven't seen that technology yet, but I have heard things through the grapevine that behavioral analysis could be the next wave of AI technology that's introduced.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. So speaking a little bit about all these topics, Jason, what are some common industry errors you see when food processors are adopting these new technologies?
1: That's a great question. I don't want to say it's common, but diving in too quickly could be a pitfall or maybe investing in, I don't want to say the wrong technology, but maybe out of order. There's a lot of technology out there. And if you don't do the right implementation, you could end up implementing two or three times over to try and get things right so if you have you know with every great piece of equipment there's information that comes from it in data but if you don't have the systems in place to analyze it then where does that data go or vice versa you invest in the larger high level systems to analyze the data but then you don't invest in the equipment on the plant floor to collect that data and to help you make those decisions so I've seen both ways and it's just maybe you get really excited and you dive in a bit quick and you don't maybe take the time to implement these kinds of interconnected systems in the right way and the right manner. And that's why, you know, companies such as Hammond could be your trusted advisor in terms of implementing a full line solution that'll utilize these innovations and help you go to that next step in your evolution.
2: I think we see that quite a bit when we sometimes have a project and a customer will need food traceability because they want to sell into a certain distributor or something like that. And they buy the system, they implement the system, but they don't properly use the system or they don't properly take all the data that's available to them because the reason that they wanted that system in the first place was just to achieve a checkbox, let's say. But then they kind of fail to see the overall bigger picture of what you can actually do with a system that's collecting all that data and providing that up to you, whether that's sales data, inventory data manufacturing you know production throughput any of that stuff you kind of almost limit your visibility because you're just fixated on like i said checking that one box and you don't actually fully implement the solution to the most that it could provide for your company
0: i think one of the key things here that is really prevalent even with industry 4.0 and the ever-growing technological footprint of society is the overabundance of information and being able to decipher between credible and not credible information. So it's always good to have someone who trusted solution partner that can kind of guide you and put things into layman's terms. So when they hear things like hyperspectral food processing and all of these fancy buzzwords, I think it really helps when you have someone who's trusted that can kind of guide your hand through the process and really get you to understand on what your, as is you're trying to accomplish. And kind of to your point, Andy, is seeing that big end picture there of what we're actually trying to accomplish in the grand scheme of things, not just check a checkbox off for the sake of our our process or what we're trying to do with our strategy.
2: So Jason, can you tell us a little bit about how maybe Hantman has adopted Industry 4.0 into their solutions?
1: Well, Hantman, as we know, has great equipment and is industry leader in depositing, forming, and cutting. And with this technology, it automatically collects data and you can access the data directly from the machine. There's only a certain small sample set of data that's available just out of the box. What Hammond's done is implemented an HCU system, which is basically the Hammond connection unit. And this allows for all of that data to go to a centralized location. And you can even access this from a computer. You're able to monitor your production lines. You can schedule different products Access data, make decisions, can see the performance of your machines, and if you're due for a, a PM service on that equipment, uh, and never miss the next PM. This is just scratching the surface of what this information, having this interconnectivity, can do for your production line or production facility. Like Joe had said, the overabundance of data can sometimes be overwhelming to smaller or mid-sized processors. So, with all this information to track. Uh, HCU essentially will will give you that information, easily readable format, and give you the answer to what all of your business questions are.
2: No, I think that's really cool.
0: So
1: Jason, what kind of other data can HCU provide? Instead of just data tracking for grinder plates or weight tracking, it can also give you OEE production line number. OEE is overall equipment effectiveness. It's essentially the, the calculation of availability, quality, and performance of your line system. So performance is the amount of operating hours in a day. You know, if your system, your employees are available for seven and a half hours a day, are you actually running at full speed or, you know, the capability of the equipment? Was there any unplanned stoppages? People maybe walk away from the equipment at any given time, and then, or maybe upstream stoppages that had to stop your equipment. Availability is similar to performance, only it's the availability of equipment. Was there a, a breakdown? Was it available to use during the times that we had available to use? So uptime is a really big one, and quality of the product as well, too. If there was a mismatch in weight, well, that's a quality um, issue and you weren't able to use that package or it has to get reworked. So all of these metrics are put into a calculation that's called OEE and HCU is able to provide that to manufacturers. It's something that's really sought after. It helps to make decisions. A certain production line has a low OEE number. It really highlights that, hey, we have an issue here. We need to investigate or you know what, we need some new innovations or we need to invest some money to improve this line because of factors that we're unable to control or we haven't invested enough time or planning into that line, we're achieving lower than expected performance.
0: So Jason, where do you see Hatman taking the
1: HCU solution in the future? Great question. You know, though with innovation, there's always going to be improvements made in the future. With HCU, it uses a lot of weight data to make decisions. Something new that they're going to be introducing is going to be a grinder plate tracking. And they're going to introduce this at IFA Expo. IFA, for those who don't know, is the world's largest food expo. It's held once every three years in Frankfurt, Germany. I'm going to have the honor of going and attending this year and can't wait to see what other companies have in innovation. For Hammond, the new uh, HCU innovation will be grinder plate tracking. And this will be a tracking system through HCU that'll tell you how much pressure or usage you've had on those grinder plates. So typical grinder plates have to be sharpened every so often, and this is done on a calendar-based PM schedule. That can either be ahead of schedule or behind schedule based on the usage. And so what this tracking will do is track the amount of pressure or heat and essentially usage on those plates and ensure that you have the sharpest plate set in your grinder at all times. And it will notify you to say it's ready to be sharpened. Because the more pressure on the system means the less sharp the blades are. And the less sharp the blades are, the more pressure that that system endures. So it's a really cool use of sensors and technology that can allow for better maintenance of your equipment and ensuring that your quality stays at a high level all the time. And this is done through HCU. And that's just the beginning. There's going to be much more things that are introduced and implemented through HCU to help you take better control and better care of your line and ensuring best quality always.
2: So Jason, Hantman has an augmented reality solution, I believe. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that solution is?
1: So this is H vision. H vision or Hampton Vision is a way or a solution that enables robust remote support capabilities. So if you ever were to have some sort of a breakdown or needed some troubleshooting on your Hantman equipment, whether it's a breakdown and something needs to be fixed that's very specific, you can call into our automated phone line, you'll talk to a real life technician, and a lot of times we can help troubleshoot if it's pretty simple, or even one of our applications experts, if you're just having some product questions, you know, you're seeing some different quality um, uh, things coming out of your product, and you just want to help troubleshoot some of the settings or options. Vision allows for more robust and in-depth analysis of your process. If you have a breakdown and you can't wait for a technician to hop in a car, hop in a plane, and be down for three or four days if you're in the northern parts of Canada, well, maybe Vision is something that would be helpful for those processors. What happens is they have a set of glasses that have a two-way camera you have a camera on your glasses, so that way the remote support is able to see what field person is seeing. They also have a heads-up display, which the remote person is able to show them, you know, maybe a screenshot of an electric schematic, or maybe they take a screenshot of what the field person is seeing. They're able to circle a certain wire or something inside of the machine and able to say okay well listen you need to disconnect this wire or cut this or replace this part with a fresh part and you'll be back up and running that's quick real-time support and you don't have to suffer you know long wait periods of being down we're always available to help plants with unexpected breakdowns or plant maintenance but for the rural guys, they have to wait for you know someone to get in a car or get into a plane. And this just kind of avoids all of that altogether and, and that provides that real-time help.
2: No, I think that's really cool. I know we do a lot of maintenance on our own systems because we do hardware and software as well, too. And having something like that where you can visually see what's going on and walk the people on site through, those repairs would be a huge asset, especially, like you said, in remote areas where it's not easy to get there or you can't get there quickly, Right.
1: And the next thing, too, is H Vision is a product that we provide a solution. You're able to buy this. There's no service fees or subscription fees on a monthly basis. Just buy the system, have Wi Fi, and you're good to go. The next thing that I heard that was coming is full VR. It's not really a solution, but it's more of a planning resource. And we're able to run tests in our forums in canada or in germany or in the states and other ham sister companies but full vr walkthrough of your full line solution that you've been designing with our engineering team and sales team instead of trying to test individual pieces of equipment in a remote facility we could actually virtually run a line and see if it works for your factory floor before even cut of metal is, is made
2: yeah, that's amazing. That's why all this stuff with Industry 4.0 is so exciting. It's just amazing to see the different advancements that are coming and and how that can make life easier for processors down on the plant floor.
0: So Jason, do you have any example of a customer success story of Hantman bringing a processor from a very manual system all the
1: way to Industry 4.0? uh yeah for sure this happens a lot more than you might uh, anticipate we have weekly sales meetings and one of my colleagues just kind of told a story about a small local butcher very manual processes still scoops meat with like a hand scoop doing things by hand and he's just very labor-intensive process and wanted to get into the 21st century invest in some equipment he ultimately decided to buy a Hammond just because of the reputation that it has and uh, some of his local butcher buddies also have them the quote that my colleague said was the small butcher basically went from like industry zero to industry hero because he bought a Hammond. Uh and that's a great news and feel good story because we're helping not just the larger processors i like to talk about data analysis big data and ai and all of these great things these are more for the larger industry leading manufacturers, but we still service the little guy, the local butcher shops, the local bakeries, those who are looking to automate and just improve on their process, whatever their budget may be. You know, Hammond has a solution to help you make that next step and, you know, essentially put you into industry 4.0 without you even knowing it.
2: So where can we learn more about Hampman and industry 4.0?
1: Um, of course, you know, visit our website, hammond.ca, or even the German version, uh, hammond.de. On there, you can find information on you know, our equipment, who to contact, where we're located. YouTube is my best friend. It's great for finding product videos of our equipment in processing facilities, doing real life processing on products. And it's great for me to brush up on different technologies before I go visit a customer. And it's great for people who are interested in Hantman and want to see it an in action and want to see what it really could do for them. So yeah, definitely visit our website, visit YouTube. Does Hantman do any sort of consulting for new prospects? Absolutely. It's something that we're able to do for new customers or even current customers as well too. I like think I said this earlier in the podcast, but you know, it's your trusted advisor. We want to be able to help you in your food innovation endeavors. Whether you're going with a Hammond or not, uh, we want to help you make the best decisions. We offer that and able to come on site, help talk through solutions, or even bring you into our own forum, test out new equipment and new innovations.
2: Jason, can our listeners reach out to you personally? You're such a wealth of information when it comes to both the food industry and industry 4.0. If they've got questions, you know, where can they go to get these questions answered?
1: Of course you can email me. It's jason.medeiros at Hammond.ca my name is spelt M-E-D-E-I-R-O-S at hammond.ca. Feel free to reach out, email me. I'm happy to help in any way I can.
2: So thanks, Jason, so much for joining us on the podcast. Love learning about Industry 4.0, and it makes me excited to see, you know, where things are going for the future.
1: No problem, Andy and Joe. It was great being here. Thanks for inviting me. And I'm definitely excited to talk Industry 4.0. So once again, thanks for having me. All the best.
0: Yeah, thanks for being on, Jason. Appreciate it.